You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's All-Star Weekend edition of the Talking About podcast. I am Sean Kennedy. With me on the line, a returning guest, Dave Early of Liberty Ballers. Dave, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? Uh, Great. Yeah, very exciting game last night with the Sixers pulling out a three-point win on the road in Milwaukee. Uh, We're going to talk about that and uh, the other curious game this week. Um, And also the the James Harden era is nearly upon us. And Dave, you and I haven't talked about the Harden trade since it it went down um, on air. So we're going to get into that a little later. But yeah, first, let's let's recap this weird week for the Sixers. So after last week's recording on Friday, the Sixers had the Saturday game against Cleveland, which was super exciting. Cleveland, the young upstart team that is making some waves this year and and B drops the first 40 point triple double for the franchise since Wilt Chamberlain, which just yet another Embiid Wilt parallel this year. Uh, Just crazy. How many, how many times we see a graphic pop up that's either Wilt, Allen Iverson, Barkley or Embiid. And, and that's the, the rarefied air he's in these days, but then Tuesday night hard James Harden, the bell ringer, and the Sixers fall behind by 51 at one point and lose uh, by 40, 40 some points. So just completely embarrassing loss. And then they bounce back on Thursday and they they beat Milwaukee on the road. Uh, just what what do we make of all this, Dave? Uh, I don't really know what to make of it. I, I'm going to go with what Joel said and say, like, well, I mean, they made like 53s. What can we do? We just knew we needed to bounce back. It happens. So. I guess that's my mentality take, looking at it all. So um, in the regular season, sometimes you're just going to get rocked and the Celtics are really, really hot on a, in, from a winning perspective. And then they were hot in that game also. So it was kind of a buzzsaw for the Sixers who were, uh, I, I'm calling them the interim Sixers because Harden's not in yet. <laughs> Curry and Drummond. Uh, that's, a, that's a good way to put it. Uh, yeah. Th- I mean, the Celtics, had one eight straight coming into that game, obviously very hot, as you said. And yeah, the six, the Sixers didn't play great, but Jalen Brown was hitting like contested threes from 26 feet. And the one time I think it was right, right before halftime, Maxie was right in his face, got, got a hand in his face at the top of the key. And it was a couple feet behind the arc and Brown sank it. And they, they had a good video shot of Maxie just throwing his hands up in the air. Like, what the heck am I supposed to do? Like this, it was just a snowball effect where everything was going right for Boston. But uh, yeah, you're right. They, you just got to put it behind them as Joel said. And Mo, Mo, the Milwaukee game was night and day where the, what did they put up? 40, 40 some points in the second quarter. I, I don't have the I exact figure. 43 or 45, but it was ridiculous. Yeah. 45. Yeah. And, and that was probably the best we've seen the Joel Embiid, Tyrese Maxey tandem work together. Uh, they went to that, that two-man game with them about five or six straight possessions. 
and I think they scored on every one of them, and that that was a big factor in building that huge, uh, that the huge second quarter swing and and going into halftime with the lead and everything. Do you think that's the best we've seen from them so far this season as as a pairing? I'm probably biased by the moment, but yeah, I think to do it in that type of spot against the reigning champs, you have to you have to grant it some extra weight there. If there is another game where they look better, um, you know, maybe it was against like the Hornets and not a team that you think could win the championship. So I'm going to agree with you. Um, Maxi was only four of thirteen from the field, but in James Harden fashion, he he salvaged his efficiency, going ten of ten from the line. Yeah, let's. Uh, we're going to talk about Harden as a player, but let's talk about Coach Harden a little bit right now. So he he was very animated on the sidelines. Uh, the the gif or short video clip of him yelling "thank you" to Maxi after he got an N one was was going around uh, social media yesterday. Um, it seems like Maxi is already taking the. Every, everyone's calling it learning the grift for, from James, where <laughs> get getting to the line. Uh, more often and, and Harden really giving him the the tricks and the pointers for how to, how to draw contact and finish in the lane. And then also Joel Embiid, there was a, a video from practice the other day where they were all kind of working on the step back and it seemed like Harden was giving them some pointers. And then in the game against Milwaukee, Joel from the, the right wing pulled off it actually ended up being a two because his foot was on the line, but they, they originally called it a three and it's like, wow. Uh, it seems like uh, the Joel Embiid watching YouTube and, and immediately processing the information has now evolved to watching James Harden in practice, do the step back and immediately processing it. And that's just now a part of his game now. So, well, it's, Coach it's Harden. Funny with this little Harden through line, Joel has had this step back in his bag um, over the last year and a half, I think. And now that Harden's here, he's getting all the credit because Joel tried the like extra, extra steps version of it. The drag um, step back. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, <laughs> I got I was called really for the walk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Immediately. I was relieved to see him go back to the version he he's used effectively against like, I think the Hornets, the Celtics, maybe the Jazz, forget which games he hit really nice ones, but he did it from like a post up, which is ridiculous. Uh, I don't think Harden. <laughs> Harden taught him that because Harden never posts up. Yeah. So, yeah, you're right. Joel, Joel has had that, but it was funny that he, they were kind of working on it in practice as a group. And then, yeah, the drag yeah. the drag step back was maybe Joel trying to get a little ahead of himself. Be like, oh, I just saw James do this yesterday. Maybe I, could, maybe I should try it. Um, but, yeah, he got back to more of his traditional step back but probably practicing it in in practice as a group was was beneficial for Joel it seemed very confident going going out of that post up into it so if he uh, can get that footwork down over the all-star break maybe it's in his bag although I'm nervous now that we've all sort of trolled it on Twitter that an NBA ref is going to call him for a walk just for trying it I mean I think it's pretty well documented at this point that that move's not a walk right like it's it's been a point of emphasis for the league to look at it in the past and they've kind of declared that it's not so uh, yeah but when you see um joel do it like he did the other night it was pretty clearly a walk and it's like yeah the 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 one not the one against milwaukee but the one where they called the travel yeah yeah yeah, that, that was a walk and but that looked completely different that was 
he did right. he, he just wasn't comfortable with the movement like he tried the drag step back and then he took like another step because yeah, it he, just... he gathered it too early yeah so to do that sort of hezzy hang dribble yep so he he i just don't think he was comfortable with that specific move yet and it just wasn't game ready but uh yeah, so I wouldn't be worried about his usual step back being called for a walk because that was it, it had a completely different look to it. Um, but yeah, good good stuff for James Harden, teammate. Who uh, the reports were not great out of out of Brooklyn, but uh, it, it seems like he's in a happier situation and where he wants to be now, and the vibes are much different. So that's all good. Um, we have to expect that. I mean, you got to roll your eyes at that a little bit because Brooklyn went through that same honeymoon period. You know, they got like what people joke, fat suit Harden to get out of Houston. And then he had to prove what an amazing teammate he was there. And that lasted for a while. And that, you know, he was known around the team for being a teacher and a a tutor to a lot of the young guys this season as well, until it all changed. So when I, when I read a report, I think Keith Pompey had, and he's like, despite being criticized in Brooklyn, he's now an ideal teammate after a day and a half. <laughs> I definitely roll my eyes. Oh um, yeah. That was such propaganda. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but I expect him to be on his best behavior for, for a long time at this point, uh, hopefully the rest of the year. It's, it's a good point because we need to realize that it was what, like 18 months ago that, Harden was in a similar situation, getting a fresh start. And all of a sudden, like, oh, they're drawing up a play for Kevin Durant and James Harden is rolling his eyes. So, yeah, maybe he's a great cheerleader on the sidelines now because he's, you know, still rehabbing his hamstring and getting from 95% to 100%. Um, But if he's playing in a game, is he going to be completely cool that end game plays get drawn up for Joel Embiid? Or is it is it eventually going to eat away at him in a little bit? Uh, you know, it's something yeah. to watch. <laughs> yeah, if you're going to roll your eyes at a play design for Harden, assuming that report by Jake Fisher is true, um, then you're going to have a lot of eye rolling to do in Philly. And that's, yeah. But that's what you wanted. And Daryl pretty uh, convincingly said, Daryl Morey, on um, the rights to Ricky appearance at the very end, he was like, I can confirm, I know people were wondering that Harden wanted to be in Philly all along um, going back to Houston. So that was a little point of question for us fans. Yeah, because he he made the point in Harden himself made the point in his opening press conference uh, earlier in the week that, you know, yeah, I can teams have to do what's best for themselves. Like, I don't have control over the situation. And it's like, well, you kind of do because you're a superstar and you're the one holding out or pushing for a trade or whatever. You you have a lot more say in this than the average player that gets traded. Um, And it you had the prior relationship with Durant and it seemed like that was definitely a place that you were happy to go. Um, yeah, maybe. We're maybe. sure happy. But my question was, was it his absolute first choice or did he say, here are my three top choices. You figure it out. And I think it was, you know, for Sixers fans, they wanted to know, was he, was this his first choice or did he pick Brooklyn like Sam Amick reported and then change his mind? And now he wants his second choice and they're calling it his first choice. So room to wonder, but um, since he's gotten here, we've heard nothing, but he wanted to be here all along stuff from him, Daryl, et cetera. Right. So, I mean, they'll, they'll say that whether it's true or not, it's, it's largely irrelevant because he's here now. And if he wanted to be in the Brooklyn in the first place, it, it clearly didn't work out. So he's, he's ready to turn the page and, and start his time here in Philadelphia. Um, 
we're, we're going to talk about Harden and his our expectations for him returning to the court and and everything that goes along with that. Um, first, let's talk about Joel Embiid, who, as I mentioned, against Cleveland had the big 40-point triple-double, another huge game with 42 and 14 in the win over Milwaukee. A couple days ago, it was revealed that they had done a straw poll around the league and Embiid was leading as the MVP. Um, so it looks like he's, based on the odds, based on the narratives and everything else, it looks like he's got the clear path to the MVP. Um, so a major discussion is with Harden's arrival, do, does that, will that help him in that the team might perform better, finish better in the standings and MVP candidates are typically coming from teams that finish high in the standings. So that could be beneficial or is Harden's arrival going to take away some of Embiid's usage? His stats might be a little lower as a result because Harden's putting up some numbers himself. Um, where do you stand on that, Dave? Where, where, do, you, where do you think that's going to go? I, I think that he's going to win the MVP. Um, I, I think if their ultimate goal was to use the rest of the regular season to try to inch their way up the standings and develop chemistry, they might detract from that goal. I'm not sure that they will. I think they'll maybe try to cobble it together playing through Joel a lot and let Harden acclimate to his new surroundings a little bit more than you know changing around the offense significantly. There definitely will be some growing pains. You know, this is James Harden loves to have spot up shooters outside the three point line. He's not going to have willing catch and shoot players everywhere he looks now. I mean, defenses are usually very happy to sag off Joel Embiid, Matisse Seibel, Tobias Harris, Terry's Maxey, because they don't, those guys don't love to just jack it up when they catch it. Danny Green does, Korkmaz does when he's playing like he did in Milwaukee. Um, so there are, you know, there's definitely some ways in which the rest of the regular season could go less than stellar, and that could maybe ding Joel in the voting. Um, but at this point, I still think he's going to win it, and I think Harden helps them get that standings narrative part of it. That's where, that's kind of where I am at with it as well. Uh, I had a piece on Liberty Ballers this morning, like reviewing preseason predictions and looking ahead. And I think Joel being just a, a bit above even money. So you're, you're getting a bit more than even money for him to win MVP is a, is a really good bet right now, because it's basically a three-man race between him, Jokic and Giannis and Jokic and Giannis have already won MVP recently. So there, there's a bit of voter fatigue and, and voters like the, the fresh storyline with a new guy getting the award so as long as long as the Sixers finish you know around 50 wins and Embiid continues the production level that he's been on for the over half the season now I, I see no reason why he's not going to win the award like the narratives there the the numbers are there and yeah you can argue that there's multi, like a handful of guys putting up similar numbers um but I, I just think the narrative path is there for Joel right now. So, and, and it helps that Harden's arriving and everyone's going to have eyeballs on the Sixers even more than they were previously. So they're, they're going to, there's going to be more people watching Joel on a nightly basis, do what he's been doing. And as long as he continues doing that, I think the attention will be there for him to, to come away with the award. Yeah. I like it. I like it. All right. So we, we're taking uh 
a break from the Sixers action because it's All-Star Weekend. Uh, so I, I just wanted to ask you, Dave, is there anything you're looking forward to? I mean, All-Star Weekends, they, they kind of have their ups and downs over the years as far as people's level of excitement, and they try to tweak things here and there to to generate more competition or, or whatever else. Um, where do you stand with any of the events drawing, drawing more att- attention in your mind, or what are you looking forward to most this weekend? On the whole, I'm not very excited about the whole thing. I am very excited uh, for the Sixers to get some rest. I saw Joel rubbing his wrist a little bit, so I hope he takes it easy. I saw Tyrese Maxey, you know, tweak his knee a little bit last night. I hope he's fine and doesn't push himself too hard in that Rising Stars Challenge. Um, I guess the three-point contest is often fun for me, but there's not a ton of star power in the con- among the contestants. I think I'll since I've been covering Patty Mills this season, and he's been one of the most gracious and classy with reporters, I'll be rooting for him um, to win that. The dunk contest is often uh, a hit or miss. So I think, I think Jalen Green's pretty exciting. I'll be interested to see him. The all-star game itself is sort of like, if the game is good, I like it. If the game is like a 30 point game, you know, I can kind of space out. What do you think? Yeah. I liked it. I liked the tweak they made with the all-star game with the Elam ending. I think that really, yeah. that really helped um, the last couple of years. The, the, the slam dunk contest it's just so the scoring so ambiguous and it seems like there's times where they just give out fifties just for the heck of it in the beginning. And then from then on, it's like, Oh, well we gave that a 50. So this was clearly better. We should give that a 50, but we can't give everything fifties. And then it ends up being that you give clearly superior dunks, worse grades than they gave uh, dunks earlier in the contest. So it's, it's just weird because that never really has gotten figured out and it just kind of casts the pall over the the whole thing. Um, there have been some really good dunk contests in recent years, but I, I think the three point contest has kind of moved ahead of the dunk as, as far as anticipation from, from the fan base. Um, so yeah, I, I'm still looking forward to three point contest. I like the, they added the, what is the, the Mountain Dew green zone or whatever it's called. That's, that's farther back. I like that. Um, that was a nice tweak. So, yeah, I mean, we still got Trey young, who's one of the best shooters in the game and a uh, really good uh, set of set of players participating in that. So I'm, I'm looking Zach forward Levine, to all of it. Zach Levine, who's got a couple dunk contests. Um, would he be the first one to win both? Probably. Uh, I'm not sure about that. That's a good question. Um, yeah, I know there's, as as there's, I... there's plenty of guys that have done both. I don't know if, uh, any, any has won both. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll try to look that up while we're continuing our discussion. Um, the, the other thing that I, I like, or I'm at least interested in this year is that they tweaked the rising stars format. So instead of it just being a rookie sophomore or USA world game where they, just go out there and and it's a track meet and it's like 150 to 140 at the end of it. Um, there's four teams this year and they're going to play two games to 50 and then one game to 25. Uh, so I, I think that kind of target scoring where you're playing to 25, I think that that might help guys focus a little more on the defensive end and really lock in just a little bit, kind of, kind of how the all-star games do in the last five minutes of the fourth quarter. Uh, where so maybe maybe that'll just be more competitive and it'll be like, hey, we actually get to watch the top 
20 or so young players in the league play basketball rather than just run up and down the court and shoot threes. Yeah. So that's, that, that's something I'm looking forward to a little bit. Um, or at least, I'm, I'm at least curious to see uh, what that looks like this year. I'm, I'm looking, I'm looking up the slam dunk and three point contest. This is great audio. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, I was just wondering when I saw him, um, but I'm racking my brain now for, so as of 2017, no one had ever won both. So I don't think anyone since 2017 has won either. Or they they made a big deal of the fact that they've won both. So Anthony I'm going to say Simon no. Seems like a guy who could do it in the future. He's I think he's shooting well from three on like ridiculous am- amount of attempts per game or per 36. Yeah. Okay. So 2020, there's an article where Zach Levine was chasing NBA history to become the first player to ever do it. So it definitely wasn't the case last year. So Zach Levine still tracing history this year. He's going okay. for the three point contest. So if, if you want to see history made root for Zach Levine to win the three point contest, <laughs> <laughs> he also got robbed or I don't, I'm eating it robbed. I think he wasn't the deserved winner, but he almost came close in the horse contest. So he could have been the first ever three point dunk horse competition winner. I think Mike mm. Conley was the, the deserved winner during, during the, oh, pandemic, yeah. the heart of the pandemic when we were watching shaky live streams of a horse competition yeah, <laughs> where right. they, they just sent a video camera to people a webcam to people via via ups and said here stick this in the corner of your yard and we're, we're gonna watch it um <laughs> man 2020 was a rough year <laughs> yeah a lot of those uh, a lot of those performance events were, were just people at home filming themselves playing the piano and Yep. Uh, I am definitely glad we have NBA basketball back in our lives and we are, we have James Harden now in our lives. So we're going to talk about that uh, after we take a quick break now to hear from our sponsors. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right. So we talked about Harden before the break in terms of him being the great teammate so far in his less than a week of, of being a 76er, how he, Maxi, and Embiid have been working together in practice. Some things may or may not be rubbing off, but all, all the vibes are definitely good. What do we think about James Harden when he gets back to the court? Um, so I guess I'll start with when he gets back. So Dave, you've been covering Brooklyn as well this year. It seems like the hamstring's a real thing, but he's been practicing pretty much at full tilt 
with the Sixers since arriving. So is the expectation that the hamstring is going to be hundred percent and he will be on the court for the Sixers first game next Friday? Uh, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I know that there's been tons of credible noise that the Nets never really bought this injury. And then there's been plenty of noise that this is a real thing and it's, it showed up on the scan as some tightness and irritation. I know that Steve Nash said several times it's a strength deficit with the tightness and he's doing strength work. Not exactly sure what that means. We, I know that we have seen him doing some step back. Um, I think Jackson Frank last night during the game tweeted that Ali LaForce said, I'm already getting like into telephone here, but he was, <laughs> he was logging some of his quickest uh, movements and just running around, I guess, something like that. Um, his, his top speed has been an issue all season long. I think is this like is this like the way. AWS next gen stats commercials for the NFL? Is that what they have at NBA practices now? <laughs> it would, yeah, and, and we'll do it like like the telephone song in Greece. Did you hear what Jackson said? Ali Lafour said he's fast. <laughs> um, well, that's good. Yeah. It's good news that he's he's running fast. Uh, that's what yeah, you, I think you do like to hear fast that again. <laughs> I guess I don't know what to expect. I think the way the Nets probably looked at it was like, okay, maybe he's exaggerating this or maybe it's a real thing. Either way, like this dude hasn't been healthy now since last March, not like a hundred percent healthy in about a year. And over the next four or five years, he, he might either dog it on us or actually have a hamstring issue. Either way, let's um, let's give him what he wants here and hit the eject button. So now the Sixers inherit those uh, luxury problems of James Harden's hamstrings. I think the ideal version of him would be a little bit sleeker than he's looked. Maybe he can slim down over the break and uh, go win that first championship he's looking for. Because if he's if he's pulling, it's going to be a problem if he's pulling that hammy. Right. So, yeah, last year was something that I think all parties are keeping in mind with this because Harden had a hamstring pull and he maybe came back a little too soon. He tried to, tried to play through it before he was right. completely back to 100%. And then he ended up missing a significant amount of time, um, missed some time in the postseason. And then even when he came back in the postseason, it didn't seem like he was 100%. So in a, by, the, in, by the end, he was playing on one leg, if you, if you listen yeah. to his head coach. Right. So in, a, in, an, yeah. in, a, in an alternate universe where he just sits down for you know four to six weeks to begin with or whatever it would have take to fully rehabilitate the hamstring and make sure he was 100 percent brooklyn is firing on much much higher octane in the playoffs they they almost beat milwaukee as it is uh so maybe with 100 percent harden that they win that that series pretty convincingly and uh milwaukee went on to win the title so maybe it's brooklyn who went on to win the title instead and I don't think James Harden would be walking away from a situation where they were trying to defend their title. So just a, a real sliding doors moment with, with how they treated the hamstring injury and maybe James Harden wouldn't be a Sixer right now at all. So I think the Sixers would be prudent to learn from that recent history and just make sure he is hundred percent before he takes the court and don't try to rush it just because you want to, you know, get, get this guy on the court to because everyone's so excited to see him play for your team and you you, you do want to work work out whatever kinks you need or build a on-court chemistry between he and Embiid and 
he and Maxi and and everything else with the roster, but it's not worth it if if you're going to run the risk of him not coming back 100% or having a setback and then you don't have him available in the postseason, which is when you need him the most. Yeah, I think they're going to need him to make some compromises with himself and with his body, both from a load management perspective, being okay with maybe getting rested at night here or there when you know Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey can pick up the slack against a, a Thunder type team, and then maybe less partying. You know, in the, in the aftermath of this trade, we've read so much about him drinking at clubs, um, showing up late for this and that, or, or not traveling with the team. Um, so he might need to do less of that as well if he does want to uh, to etch his name in history and make that sort of vault himself into that top 15 all-time territory, which is not out of his reach if he wins a ring or two here. The rings are certainly a, a big delineating factor for, for guys when, you, when you're talking about the upper, upper crust of yeah. NBA players throughout history. So uh, I, there was the one report where he saw – in Embiid, another guy hungering for that first for that first ring, um, which it's clear that that's something that's on his mind, getting that first title. Uh, yeah, the the club stuff and everything like it's tricky because yeah, you want guys to be able to have personal lives and th- they're not robots who should just be in the gym twenty three hours a day, Jimmy Butler style. But also, it's it's not the best look in the world that he's staying behind in other cities while the team contributes to travel and going just to be able to party. And uh, it is something that Daryl Murray allowed during their time together in Houston. And but he was an MVP every season. So yeah, <laughs> I'm not saying he has to rule it out completely. I do think Jimmy Butler has his fun also. It's probably a middle ground here. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, you can, you can have a personal life, but maybe just, stick with the team and like what the team's doing you can also be doing and then there's going to be plenty of time outside of that for you to still do your own thing so uh, yeah i know star treatment for decades has has been a thing in the league and it's going to continue to be even more so going forward because uh player empowerment era and stars are driving things more than ever but yeah if if you want it if you're so committed to getting that first ring and that that really does mean something to you like maybe just buy in a little bit and just show a little bit more personal sacrifice as far as as far as that's concerned but um yeah but that that's just more conjecture because we have no reason to think he won't be on this best behavior in philadelphia uh so if anything does pop up down the road, then that's... Yeah, we're just riding that, that wave of, of <laughs> PR hits he had to take to get the situation he wanted. So maybe some of it is exaggerated as well. He had to do some of that to, to wind up. Really. Who knows? Yeah, maybe, maybe he was leaking it too, to, Brooklyn, <laughs> yeah. to Brooklyn media. Like, oh, this James Harden guy is terrible. We need him out of the Nets uniform. Like Ben Simmons just stays at home and plays video games. That's perfect. He's yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that'd be interesting. Um, but all right. So on the court, when, whenever he does return, whether it's Friday uh-huh. or uh, down the, down a couple game or two down the road from then, um, wh- what do we think about the Harden and bead pairing? Um, and then we can also discuss the Harden maxi pairing, but Harden and Embiid as an on-court partnership. What do you make of that? Well, when I write out all of the, all of the things about it, I look at it and I'm like, this isn't the most ideal fit. James Harden has traditionally thrived with like a pick and roll center who can throw lobs to like Capella 
maybe a Nick Claxton. Yeah. Um, Sad, sadly, not, if, if Drummond had not been a part of the deal, like a Harden-Drummond pairing, like staggering Harden and Embiid's minutes and letting Harden and Drummond work a pick and roll, that would have been awesome probably. Yeah, that, that would have been a really nice touch to those minutes because, uh, like you said, Drummond is athletic. He can finish those lobs. And, he, you know, Harden could rack up the Kobe assist too. Anytime he drew a D and missed a layup, you know Drummond would get those tip-ins. Uh, yeah. That could be a valuable combo that we won't have now. But, you know, obviously I think it was worth it from the Sixers POV given the stalemate they had. Um, and then the other element of that is Joel. So Joel Embiid doesn't love to do that. He's more of a pick and pop big or an ISO big. And when he draws a crowd, James Harden doesn't love to catch and shoot. And he's, he'll be another possibly reluctant player that Joel will kick it out to. He already has Tobias Harris. Um that we know doesn't love to just fire it up. Seth Curry didn't even love to. Known yeah, quick decision maker, Tobias Harris. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the 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 most most important thing now for this team is going to be their play their perimeter players' willingness to shoot catch and shoot shots. And that that even extends to Joel and beat. And that'll probably be the key to getting this to work. If they can get hot in the playoffs, they can win the title. If they if none of them want to do it and they all catch it with room to fire and just don't, um, then they're going to, we're going to be hearing about how can they get some guys like George Niang for cheap in the off season. Yeah, they do. They do have the capability. And we, we saw it in the Milwaukee game when he went with Embiid and like four shooters. And that's, that's when things really got humming. Um, so I think one key is, for Maxi to continue to be shooting the ball well, and he's shot the ball incredibly well this season, like I think surpassing people's expectations. So if that continues, that's hugely beneficial. Then, then you need Corkmoss to be the above average version of Corkmoss and not the I forgot how to play basketball version of Corkmoss that we've also seen this season. So in the Bucks game, Corkmoss playing really well was that was greatly uh, helpful for the team and doc he even was, went I feel like was he like a game high plus minus or something i, I think i might have seen that in the box score he had a terrific game and even though Giannis lifted him up off the floor. <laughs> which that was a that was an over the back like i i feel I like wanna, i want to i want to say it was a foul just because Corkmas so clearly beat him to the spot for the ball he had the ball had in his him. hands and Giannis was behind him and reached over him and gra- grabbed basically his arms. Like, yeah, he kind of had a hand on the ball, but he kind of had his arms draped over his, uh, Furkan's arms. And then he lifted him up. Like, you can't just reach from behind somebody and lift them up. That's not that's not Quirk a basketball play. <laughs> Rich Hoffman tweeted, Corkmoss said it best after the game. He was like, you know, the refs don't always see everything, but it is a funny look that he lifted me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, it was funny. I don't, I don't know if you're a, a challenge fan from back in the day, but it was, it was very much like a Johnny Bananas backpack moment. Um, but no, which you're not, yeah. So that was a in in the MTV Challenge history. Mm. That that was a a very much an iconic moment. Was was CT lifting Johnny Benez off the ground, basically like using a grown man as a backpack. Um, so that it, that people were making that comparison with Giannis lifting up Corkmoss. Um, but anyway, that was that was a tangent but i just wanted to say that that was over the back it should have been a foul and i, I was shocked that they reviewed it and overturned it to not, not have it be a foul um yeah i would have liked to have seen them get that call i think with with james harden and i talked a little bit about the challenges on paper 
But, I mean, you, you'll have, like, the best player in the league right now, and I think his performance against Giannis only underscores that he is playing like the best player on the planet right now. And then Harden um, has probably been a top 15 to top 20 player this year with room to grow if he could, uh, you know, get out any of the things he was doing on the floor to change teams. Then some of the things that we're talking about, like I, I have thought over the years that Shake Milton was asked to have more of a playmaking role than maybe is ideal. But if he could get out there for his catch and shoot ability, if he's willing, I think he's shot around 40% on open spot up threes in the past. Um, that could give him more of a role that sort of optimizes his skill set where he's not asked to play point basically. Yeah, just please, Doc Rivers, stagger stagger Harden's minutes with Maxi and, and also staggering with Embiid a bit, but I feel staggering like staggering with Embiid first, first and foremost, just to get everyone yeah, just to not offset Embiid's momentum. True. But then in the playoffs, I feel like you can have 48 minutes of either Harden or Maxi on the court. I don't, I don't feel like you should have any time with one of them with uh without either one of them in the game. You just need one of them as the lead ball handler on the court. Mm. Like I, I don't want to see any point point cork Moss. I don't want to see shake running the show as, as the lead guy. And I don't please never again, Danny green at point. Like, <laughs> but the um, Sixers had lost that game. Um, a lot of people would be complaining about the way that Doc Rivers coached the rotations in, in what would have been a winnable road game. Um, yeah, he he doesn't – I don't know why he feels he has to have some of these point Danny Green lineups and he can't have Maxi out there to hold it together when Embiid sits sometimes. But maybe it'll be easier for him to trust staggering things now that he's got James Harden and a lot more that he can work with. Uh, yeah, it was it was interesting because Doc Doc did some good things. Like he went to Quirk Moss instead of Matisse with the starters in the second half because Quirk Moss was hot and he saw how the the shooting was really helping open things up. Um, so that was good. And then, but then, yeah, he 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 again he went back to sitting Maxi and Embiid together for way too long at one point. And it's just I don't I I hate that we have to talk about it like seemingly every week because it's been ten years now of Doc not doing it. So. It's like we're shouting. Some of it might be on us, our, our collective fan personality. <laughs> if we were Knicks fans, we'd be making his case for coach of the year, probably. <laughs> That's true. Like uh, Doc hasn't blown three 20 point leads in the last two weeks. So that's that's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um 28 up 28 at home. <laughs> so no KD, no Harden, no Ben Simmons, no Kyrie. Oh gosh. So yes, it is good to remember things are are worse for other fan bases, even when we, we are bemoaning things going on with our own teams. That's true. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, as you said, it's not an ideal fit on paper, but in the end, you just figure talent's going to win out. And hopefully with, I, I'm not going to call Maxi a star quite yet, but on this team, he's a star. Um, but you have one of your three main stars out there on the court at all times, whether it's Maxi getting getting his as the guy who can eat it up on the second unit um or if you stagger Embiid and Harden completely to make sure that they can have times as the lead dog um just make sure one of the three of them 
is on the court at all times. If he goes to the Toby and bench lineup with with all three of Embiid, Harden, and Maxi sitting, I, I think that'll be malpractice. But I thought uh, it was going into last year, <laughs> and I knew they were going to do it. And it was still malpractice. So yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Maybe maybe Harden having the cachet as like this this huge veteran presence um, that'll be a little different than it being Simmons and Embiid like it was in the past. I, I don't know, but hopefully, hopefully, hopefully I say this every week, it, it, Doc will start doing things a little bit differently. And, and maybe, maybe the roster talent being um, like more, more centralized around, around Harden rather than being spread out with Seth and, and Andre, maybe that'll, that'll force the issue a little bit. We'll see. Um, so yeah, I think, I think you laid out the, the Harden and B relationship pretty well. Um, what about Harden and Maxi? So Maxi, I think he's done incredibly well finding his way in a, in a non, an environment that's not perfectly catered to helping his development. I, I still think he's, he's done well to develop greatly this year. He's, he's picked his spots when he's needed to, he's played really well off the ball, which that was kind of a question mark coming into the season. Like, yeah, we know he has top speed and he has a lot of tricks with the ball in his hand as a driver, but how's he going to be as a spot up guy? Is he going to be able, is he just going to drift to the corner and then be forgotten about? But I think he's come a long way in that regard. And then, yeah, when Embiid has had the occasional game where he sat or when Embiid was out with COVID, like, yeah, then Maxi could step up and be like, Hey, I have the ball in my hands every play. So that, that that's going to be a little bit, more magnified with now Harden coming into the picture and another guy that's very ball dominant. So what do you make of the, the Maxi Harden relationship? Yeah, I think, uh, I think that what I would do is put Maxi in the corner. I know you said like relegated to spot up duties, um, but I would relegate him to that quite a bit to start. Um, I think I was on your podcast right after we talked about that Brooklyn game where doc was out maybe in protocol and, um, I think Burke put Maxi in the corner and he hit like four threes and caught James Harden's eye and impressed him. He talked about it after the game. So I would do some of that. I think wide open corner threes is, is a way that Maxi can make you pay. If you had him on one side and Danny Green, who's now more important than ever on the other side, um, both ready to fire. And Jim, Jim Jackson, I think it was on the TNT broadcast, talked about this. I thought it was a great point when someone – drove and kicked the ball changed sides of the court to the second side maxi caught it and he had the option to shoot a shot or attack the closeout and he attacked and scored with a really nice finish in the paint for an n1 i believe i think that's kind of going to be his role catching these plays where he has room to fire and then if he trusts his driving ability to slash against a defense that's in scramble mode because if you're if you're worried about Joel Embiid, you're worried about James Harden. He's going to get a much cushier matchup to attack than he's had for most of this season, and so is Tobias Harris. Hopefully, they can make the decision to shoot that wide open three or uh, get to the rim really quickly and not have to settle for as many floaters or mid range turnarounds as they like, respectively. So you don't want Tobias to receive the pass hold it while his defender recovers and then back him down with four dribbles and try <laughs> a, try a 15 foot turnaround. <laughs> when you, when you hit him on the kick out, I don't want him to find a way to dribble 16 times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, you're right. No, that, that maxi 
has done a really good job with attacking closeouts and as a secondary ball handler. And those those opportunities are going to be even more uh, even more of those are going to come his way with with Harden now in the in the mix as well, because Harden draws so much attention as a driver and he's such a he's such a great passer. Like he's one of the best passers in the league. Um, like he's he's going to see guys if they're open and uh, it's going to be up to Maxi to take advantage of those opportunities because he's not going to have the ball in his hands as much. But as you said, I think there's every reason to believe that he'll be successful with them because he, he has shown a good acumen for them um, in what we've seen from him thus far. You're kind of looking back at the Eric Gordon role in Houston and finding ways to tailor that to Maxi's skill set. I know Gordon was sort of had no hesitation to shoot like a 28 foot three. So that's different than Maxi. Um, but, the, you know, there's plenty of rotations where they utilize that combo of, of James and, and EG to, uh, to work in their favor. That there's a lot of film work that those two can do and see where they can attack. Yeah, Gordon, the more the more willing shooter, but Maxi has more bursts than than right. Gordon did at, at least and definitely at that point in his career. So if I, I think the calculus will just be different where Maxi will be able to attack off the dribble a little bit more in situations where Gordon might not have and might have opted to shoot three. But yeah, the the same the same defense being in a in a panic mode and trying to recover situation that that's that's always something you can attack in a similar fashion so that's that's where maxi will thrive um uh, yeah that's a good comparison you're making there um so yeah the the point of it is that just having such an enormous talent added to added to the rotation like harden that's just going to make things a lot easier for everybody else even if they have to slide to a secondary role a little bit more so than they were in the past it's their, their lives are just going to be so much easier. So James Harden is is in the sixer is a sixer. We're we're still waiting on his debut, um, but the team does have one other open roster spot as a result of that trade with uh, Ben, Seth, and Drummond all going out, and only Harden and Millsap coming in. So the last thing I wanted to discuss with you is uh, what, what do you think the Sixers are doing with that final roster spot? It was kind of intimated in an interview with Daryl and the rights to Ricky Sanchez guys that you, um, you mentioned earlier that Daryl basically has it. It it seems like it's going to be a backup big. It seems like he already has some kind of agreement in place and they're, they're waiting, I guess, for the team to to release the player or or buy out the player, I should say, and weave them um, for, for that partnership to to come to fruition and for the Sixers to be able to sign him. Um, that's that's the read on the situation, right? I'm 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 correct in that. And then, who do you think the the player is that they're they're yeah, they targeted? If we were odds makers, I guess we would put Robin Lopez at the top because, you know, he he joked, Daryl joked about it on that podcast. You talked about like he's going to be a guy who comes in and spells Joel for ten minutes that Doc can trust, and uh, Spike's going to hate it, and Spike hated Andre the Andre Drummond signing, so. <laughs> If you had to do the math there, it's like, well, what would Spike hate? Spike would hate a guy who can't stretch the floor, who can't play in the switch-heavy lineup. Um, and maybe that maybe that Robin represents that a little bit. Yeah, I, I, I think I agree. I think the signs are pointing to him. Um, another guy that keeps getting mentioned in 
these discussions for the Sixers uh, just among the fan base and, and on social media when people are speculating as Derek Favors, but Favors mm-hmm. has the player option for next year. I don't see, I mean, I guess anything's possible, but I don't really see why he would choose to accept a buyout and opt out of that $10 million player option next year. Um, that's more than he's going to get on the open market next year, I would think. So I don't well, What if he, he could potentially get like a, an $8 million deal for a couple years? Would he, would he, you know, try to get a championship and then feel I can make this up with a long-term deal? Uh, I mean, maybe, but wouldn't that same long-term deal be available or at least a similar deal a year later? And you can just bank that $10 million first. Like yeah. it's not, it's yeah. not like he only has one or two years left in the league. Like he has probably five years left. So he'll, I would think he'd still be able to get that, that multi-year Point. deal a year later. Um, Some people have talked about DeAndre Jordan, right? Yeah. Which I, I, I feel like that's at this point of his career, just a much worse version of Drummond. Um, so I don't, I wouldn't go that route. Um, I, but I, I do think Robin Lopez is the guy. He, he's a vet, so that makes sense as someone Doc would trust. He's on Orlando, who has two big guys already, young big guys in in Carter Jr. and Bamba, who they want to get minutes to. They're not going anywhere this season, so there's every reason to just play their young guys as much as possible. Um, and he, he's the guy that's still been productive when in the time he has seen the court this year, it's not like he's a shell of himself. Uh, so I still think he'd be able to give you 10 minutes as Daryl said. So I do think, I, I do think Lopez is, is kind of the obvious guy and signs are pointing in that direction. Yeah. He was recently on the bucks where they actually had him shooting threes, corner threes. And then he was on the wizards and he, I like having him off the board as an opponent because he, fouls Joel and beat very very hard so it'd be nice <laughs> if he was here and he de- he likes to beat up opposing mascots that's always fun <laughs> yeah he, he does have his feuds with mascots around the league so i guess i guess franklin and him would have to form a truce if he, if he were were to arrive in philadelphia but um, the only yeah. downside to a guy like him is the part where if doc trusts him too much he won't do any experimentation with a small ball unit that's one of the concerns with doc is that he doesn't like to to find those and he's probably going to need to find those Paul Millsap might represent a better bet there maybe b-ball Paul one of the Pauls might represent a more like if the Sixers were to win the championship and I told you that you'd probably say yeah they had some success in some fast small ball items surrounded by Joel James Harden when Joel sits you might not think that uh Robin's out there for those I don't know right yeah the it seemed like the Suns Paul, Paul Reed is another guy that I, when we're talking about the Harden lob centers, I thought like, well, Paul Reed would be a really interesting guy to be the screener in a, in a Harden pick and roll. So it would be a shame if they couldn't get him any downhill lob threat off the wire or from their, the end of their roster. It'd be nice to see some of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it could be the Pauls, which, uh, Sixers, the Sixers Twitter account had a, had a good, uh, they called it the Paul Patrol, which yes, I, I think as a backup center rotation, that's a really great name. Um, so we'll see. We'll see if Robin Lopez becomes a Sixer or who the buyout guy is down the road. But regardless, James Harden is a Sixer. Um, ben Simmons is not. Um, before before we go, I, we were talking a bit offline, but Ben Simmons, you, you cover Brooklyn. It seems like the the Brooklyn fan base is going through all the Simmons 
couching and excuse making that we went through in over many years in Philadelphia, they've kind of condensed it into one week already, Dave. Yes. <laughs> I, it's uh, that, you know, the reporters there are asking what the reporters here ask. I have since moved on from this so long ago, like hoping Ben Simmons is going to start shooting threes and expecting him to, but the media always has to ask the coach, like, because he doesn't, what are you expecting? And so Steve Nash has taken some of the uh, Brett Brown and Doc Rivers playbook there and talked about his brilliance and all the other facets of the game. He got the question from Christian Winfield, I think it was, yesterday about, you know, they've been talking as if they're going to ramp up Andre Drummond and play him. Will he play him with Ben when now you'll have two players that don't space for and don't shoot free throws? He basically said things weren't ideal in the past that we like them better now. We'll, we'll try to figure out a way to make it work. So Sixers fans can enjoy that. None of that is their problem. Um, I roll my eyes that we're even still asking just, if, you know, if you do have Ben Simmons on your team, appreciate him for what he is and don't expect the shot. Don't ask the coach about his shot. <laughs> yeah. It's the shot's not coming. <laughs> it's just stop trying to make the shot happen. As yeah. they might've said on mean girls. Just look at him like, you know, Clint Capella who can guard Trey young. And pass. Yeah. Yeah, what did Trey you shoot? You wouldn't ask that, about that. That's that. That should be your question. What did Trey shoot? What did Trey shoot? <laughs> Five and twenty-three. All right, I'll take it. Yeah. All right. So, not our problem anymore here in Philadelphia. James Harden is is here. Maybe he'll be uh, on the court next Friday, and we can talk about it um, next weekend, or uh, if not, hopefully sometime in the not too distant future. But vibes are good in Philadelphia. Um, it's All Star Weekend. Hope everyone out there enjoys it. Dave, thanks for coming on the pod. Where, where can everyone find you and your work uh, on the internet? Um, at David Early on Twitter. You could follow my work there. I have Sixers and Nets coverage for Liberty Ballers and Clutch Points, respectively. Yep. And Dave, you seem to be the uh, the the guy who gets the best video clips from Brooklyn Nets uh, post game and stuff. That at least. That, that maybe just because I have a Sixers uh, focused social media. I do, following, I do but keep you, my Sixers <laughs> fans in mind with some of my uh, posts. If, if there's something that, that would trigger a Sixers fan, I get it up there fast. Yeah. I, so maybe that's just why they, they seem to come, come, come across my timeline more than some others. But uh, yeah. So there's a niche, uh, there's a niche out there for Sixers <laughs> fans who want to pay attention to Ben Simmons from yeah. some, uh, I don't know, what is the, the shot and fraud? Something it's, like that. Yeah, shot, yeah, some shot in front. I'm your guy. <laughs> all right. So, yeah, follow, follow Dave for all the uh, the grab your popcorn Ben Simmons quotes in Brooklyn. Um, yeah, and, and, and for all your other great work. So, Dave, thanks for coming on the pod. And for everyone else out there, enjoy All-Star Weekend. Hopefully next pod I can uh, talk about James Harden playing a game for the Sixers. That'd be fun. But if not, um, still good vibes. So enjoy your weekend, and I'll talk to everyone else next week. Mm-hmm. Do the same. Thanks for having me.